0: Today, the readings will like us to reflect and appreciate all the gifts of love and marriage that God has placed in our lives. The readings will like us to be grateful to God for the gift of your spouses, the gift of family the gift of your brothers and sisters, of your children, your grandchildren. And so this is a special day that we reflect and also show gratitude to God for all the beautiful things that happens in our families. So first of all, let me begin with the appreciation part of our reflection today. Are there any couples who are in this church who have been married 50 years and over? May you please stand if you can? Amen. Put your hands together for them, everybody. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Our prayer for you this morning is that the Lord who has held you all these years Will continue to pour his blessings and his grace and power into you all the days of your life. Can I hear the church say amen? Aha. Uh-huh. Likewise, our prayers go out to all other couples who've been together for 30 years, 40, 20, 10, 5 even engaged couples who are still considering marriage, our prayers all go out to you this morning that the good Lord who has started this beautiful work of love in you will always sustain it and uphold it in Christ Jesus. Conversely, our prayers also go out to every one of us who maybe for some reason you feel pain about marriage. Your marriage has brought you so much pain, and you've been dealing with all of that agony. Our readings today is not to make anybody feel like you've been a failure because your marriage did not work. Instead, our readings today is actually a reminder of the abundance of God's healing grace and mercy and power regardless of all the ups and downs and turbulence that some of us may be going through in our marriage. So it's a reading of hope. It's a reading of healing that your marriage can work. Your marriage can be better. And that's what we want to celebrate in our readings this morning. Now, I'd like you to notice that every text has a context context. And so the Pharisees didn't just come to Jesus in the gospel this morning with this question from nowhere. Something was going on in the society of Jesus when, before the Pharisees had to come to ask him this. So what was the context? Now, in the time of Jesus, there was this huge debate, just as we also have in our own generation as to the nature of marriage and the frequency of divorce. There were two schools of thought. One was the Hillel school, and the other was the Shammai school. The Shammai school was the conservative school who believed that you have one shot with divorce. You can't do it more than once. The Hillel says, "Look, you can divorce as many times as possible. Marry number one, divorce two, divorce three, divorce six, divorce. No problem. Just keep going. Divorce, divorce, divorce." And that was the tension at the time of Jesus. And now they come to Jesus. The scripture tells us they were not after the truth; they just wanted to test him. And so they said, "Jesus, tell us. Where do you? Where, what do you say?" Are you in the Hillel school or are you in the Shammai school? And Jesus looks at them and was like, are you kidding? You want to suck me into your partisan politics? Do you want to know the truth? And Jesus now tells them, look, it's not about whether you can divorce once or you can divorce as many times as possible. It is that you should not divorce at all. And that was a radical departure. All of them were stunned. And that's precisely the foundation of what we believe as Christians and as Catholics about marriage. So what I want to do now is to quickly highlight three fundaments of our Catholic faith about Christian marriage. Number one, As Catholics, we believe that marriage is a sacrament. And what do we mean by that? We mean that it's an outward sign of an inward grace. And so marriage is an institution of grace. And Jesus is the source of that grace. And so because your marriage is a sacrament, that's why your home is a domestic church. Your family, your couch, is an extension of this sanctuary. Your matrimonial home, your matrimonial room, is itself a sanctuary. Because marriage is a celebration of grace. And that's what we mean by marriage being a sacrament. Second thing we believe as Catholics is that marriage is between one man and one woman. Now, I've highlighted the word one, because in Africa, for instance, where I come from, that is part of the pastoral tension that we have. Because of the influence of Islam, you have people who have five wives, and then they want to become Christians. And they were like, all right, I want to be Catholic. Tell me, what do I do with the other women? Okay, we're going to have a talk. We must have a come-to-Jesus talk, you know. (laughs) And so regardless of all of that pastoral problem, the church in Africa, we still believe that, look, from the beginning it was made to be one man and one woman, not one man and five women. Or one woman with five husbands. And so marriage for us is fundamentally monogamous. Still in that same light, as Catholics we believe that it's between one man on the line man and one woman on the line woman. Now I may get a beating for that, but that's what we believe that the institution of marriage is between a male and a female. Third and final thing about marriage that we believe as Catholics is that marriage by its very nature is indissoluble. that all things considered, marriage is for life. The indissolubility of marriage is precisely what is going on in the gospel this morning. That Christian marriage is for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, until death do you part. Now, you know, a few years ago I gave this kind of homily where we had this reading and after the mass, one of my very good friends walks up to me. He he was a parishioner, and he was smiling and held my hands and said, "Father, Father, what do you know about marriage? We are the ones in the trenches, and we know what we go through." I was like, "Yep, you're right, you're right." And I remember saying to him that you know, as unmarried priests, we are like football coaches. We stand on the sideline. Although we are not in the field of play, we have a good sense of what a good game should look like. But in a way, I still agree with my friend that it is possible, you know, as priests and preachers, you know, we lay out the ideals of marriage. We lay it out. But the fact remains that no two marriages are the same no two relationships are the same. Every relationship has got its own dynamics and its own uniqueness. And you are the one who wears the shoes and you know where it pinches. And so, truth be told, you are the best person in a position to make your marriage work. But what I want to do finally It's not to tell you now how to make your marriage work because I don't have the experience. What I've done is to do some research. I consulted scholars of love and relationship, read up a few articles, trying to ask what really makes a marriage work. I'd like to highlight two things. Number one, is that we almost always need to recognize that marriage is a process. It's an ongoing thing. Marriage is dynamic. Ask our brothers and sisters who stood up a while ago, they will tell you that it's a growing process. Joe, am I lying? It's growing. And so you learn to grow together. When a couple do not grow together they grow apart. But do you grow? Of course you grow. The question is how are you growing? Are you growing together or are you growing apart? That's because marriage for it to work we need to recognize that it's a process. The final thing I want to point out is that the research indicates that there's what they call some scholars call The four horsemen. Four things that can kill your marriage as quick and fast as possible. And so if you want to destroy your relationship quickly and fast, here are your four options. Amen. (laughs) Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Criticism, when you go at it every time, Judgment, judgment, judgment. When you don't make distinctions between facts and inference, recognize that facts are objective and inference is subjective, it chips away the joy of your relationship. Number two, contempt. When you have no mutual respect for each other, you mock each other, you roll eyes, You shrug your shoulders. You speak sarcastically to each other. Gradually, this can eat away the joy of the marriage. Defensiveness. When I have to be right, I have to be right. I must always be right. And the marriage becomes a boxing ring where it's about power and control, about dominance, who should control everything. That can eat away the joy of the marriage. And finally, stonewalling. When we close in, we're not ready to let go. The fight is over. Let it go. When you hold on to that for too long, it makes you bitter. It makes you resent the other. And gradually, It eats away the joy and the vibrance of your marriage. So what's our takeaway this morning? It is that we celebrate you. Your love is good. And there is enough grace sufficient for you to make your marriage last till death do you part. Hold firm unto Christ. And let your marriage and your love be founded and rooted in Christ Jesus. Let us now bow our heads and pray.
1: We are the family of God. We are the promised divine. We are God's chosen desire. We are the glorious new wine. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together in love.